In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, amen. Oftentimes this gospel has been referred to as the gospel of the prodigal son. Um, many people have then thought to themselves, well, but this prodigal son, the word prodigal means wasteful. Um, and then people have thought to themselves, but hold on a second, the wasteful son uh, seems to be the one who kind of uh, came out on top at the end. So maybe we shouldn't call him the wasteful son, but maybe we should call him the clever son because he was clever enough to see and to figure out what he should do and how to get himself out of the pickle that he got himself into, or at least how to initiate that process. To be honest with you, um, if we look carefully at it, we'll find that um, this, this whole gospel is about 20 verses, 22 verses, and about 11 of them exactly are about the first son, and 11 of them exactly are about the second son. So there's actually two messages here. If you are someone who has sees yourself as part of the family of God and you're some, someone who sees yourself as someone who has um, long been in the church and um, things are going well Jesus is telling us be careful you might be you might be the older son if you're someone who um, has kind of always been the black sheep and has always kind of been the one who's wanted to try something different. Um, if you're the one who has tried to force your own way and make your own way, maybe you're kind of the second son. I'm gonna just speak briefly about a couple of things about both of them, that, that there might be something here for everyone. There's certainly something for me in both of them. The first son says to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance, which was obviously, um, which was obviously you know, a huge request. He's basically saying, when you die, you know, your will is going to divide up the inheritance, probably two-thirds to my older son, because, to your older son, because he's the firstborn, and one-third to me. That was kind of the way it worked. The, the eldest son got a double portion. All of the other sons got... Um, got a single portion um, and so uh, so you know why don't you just give me my share and you'll have more than enough to live on he's basically saying to his father you're as good as dead to me um, and that those that might sound like very harsh words to say but the reality is that I think I think I'm I could I could find myself saying those words in not as many words. I could find myself thinking those thoughts in not as many and not as many words. Maybe I'm shy to say that to my biological father. Maybe I'm shy to say that to my heavenly father. But sometimes when I look at the things that my God says, the things that my heavenly father says to me, when I look at his teachings, his ways. Sometimes I feel like, ah, you know, that's um, outdated. It's historical. It's something that's kind of like, you know what I mean? Gone by the wayside. It's time for something new. It's time for something different. It's time for, it's time for a change. Oftentimes I don't realize that the truths of God are immortal as he is and God in his in his immense love for us he has no problem you see 
with, with, with that. He has no problem with the younger son. He has no problem with us turning our backs on him and, and walking away. He has no, no problem if we've been away from him for a long time. None of that bothers him at all. Because he's got the end game in sight. There's a lot of things in life, parenting is one of them, where you have to keep the end game in sight. Oftentimes with small children, it's tempting to, to shout or to yell or to, to, you know, to control the situation. But in a certain sense that is counterproductive to the end game. The same in leadership, the same in mentorship, mentoring new leaders is arduous and painful because you need to sit on your hands, keep your mouth shut, let people make mistakes. That's what the, that's what the father does. He lets, he lets his younger son make his mistakes. My heavenly father lets me make my mistakes. And I kick and I scream and I stomp my feet and I tell him you're as good as dead to me. The most important thing here is not the son, but the father in this, in, this first, in this first half of the story. If you look carefully, you find that the father was waiting for him at the gate. What does that mean? That means that the father wasn't waiting for him in the house. The father had left the house and was waiting for him outside. Imagine that for a moment. How long was this younger son away? At least a few months, if not a few years. Every single day, the father takes a chair and the doorman is a rich man, right? He has fields and goats and all kinds of other things that they talked about in the parable. He's a rich man. So the doorman, he probably had a doorman or a butler, says to him, what do you, you know, master, what are you doing? He says, I'm, I'm waiting for Johnny. Johnny's, Johnny's coming back. Every day he takes the chair and he walks up to the top of the hill and he sets the chair down and he sits and he waits. And every day he says, Johnny's coming back. And it kind of becomes a little joke in the household. Johnny's coming back. You know, old man's gone nuts. This thing must have really done him in, eh? It must have really just tipped him over the edge. Every day he takes the little chair and he puts it on the, on the hill and he sits and he watches. And he watches out to the horizon until it gets dark. And he's watching carefully, like astutely, he's looking, you know, to see if there's anybody coming from that direction over there. And they say, they say the guy must have, the guy must have went nuts, right? This, this whole, this whole son leaving, taking a, a third of his inheritance thing, that must have just tipped him over the edge, right? One day the son comes back. The father is waiting, is searching, is looking. And when he sees him coming, he runs towards him. In the culture that Jesus was in, old people didn't run. I live in Bloor West Village. Old people run faster than I do, right? But in their culture, old people didn't run. In their culture, old people were honored and respected. And you ran to them. They didn't run to you. So he's breaking all the rules here. He's breaking all the rules of etiquette and social status. He's breaking all the rules. And he runs to him, his son, and he throws himself on his son and starts kissing him. 
And his son had this whole speech prepared and he just, all he got was half of the first sentence out because his father embraced him and started hugging him and kissing him. St. John Cassian writes, and we wrote it on the tools to prepare yourself for confession by the cross over there. We wrote it on one of them. St. John Cassian is coaching priests, new priests, and he's telling them, listen, God is like the father in the, this parable. When he sees the confessor coming towards the church to confess, he runs from his house to go and to receive them. He runs to them. So you also ought not to reject or to refuse anyone who comes to you to confess. He's telling them the willingness for the father to forgive, the acceptance in his heart was not contingent upon anything that that young man said. It was only contingent upon that young man returning. People often ask me, what am I supposed to say in confession? You know what the honest answer is? Can I be honest with you? Can I speak completely honestly with you? I don't know. Because there is nothing wrong that you could say other than to justify yourself or blame someone else. Because then it's not your confession. You're confessing about, you know, yeah, I got into this argument with Peter and he was a real jerk. I mean, he was a real pain in the butt. Well, I'm confessing somebody else, not me, you know? I'm speaking with you honestly. There's no right thing to say. There's no, because there's no wrong thing to say. Whatever you say, the Father is embracing you, is welcoming you. Just make it about you, not about somebody else. The message for those who see themselves as the younger son, the message for those who see themselves as maybe having lived an outward form of Christianity for a long time, but having no inward action of the heart, doing the motions, but not living it, not feeling it, not desiring it, and not wanting to either, being satisfied, being satisfied with a certain status quo, or those who have just left entirely and decided to just do something else, but happen to have returned today, the Father is running towards you and embracing you. Now let's talk about the second son for a couple of minutes before we wrap things up. The second son actually occupies half of the parable as much as the first son did, because the father actually had two sons. The father looks around at the welcome back celebration and he realizes somebody really important is missing, the elder son. So he asks his chief servant, you know, where's Bobby? Why isn't Bobby at Johnny's party? So, so Bobby's, Bobby's out, out at the barn. So what does the father do? He does exactly what he did with the younger son. He goes to him. So have no fear, whether you see yourself as the older son or the younger son, God will be the same to you. This is something which is like foundational in theology, that God is immutable. 
What does that mean? That means that we can't change God. God changes us. So God is God. His character is his character. He is the way he is. God is good. Nothing you're going to do is going to make God not be good. God is gracious. God will be gracious towards you. Nothing you can do can make God change his gracious character towards you. God is merciful. God is kind. God is long-suffering. God is slow to anger. God is all of these God is's that you can find in Scripture. Nothing you or I can do can change that. That's good news because they're all good things. So the, the father treats the older son exactly the same way he treats the younger son. He goes to him. But the conversation is different. The conversation with the younger son started with, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And he doesn't even, he's not able to, to get the, the next sentence out because his father has hugged him so tight. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. The older son, the father goes out to him and says, Hey, why don't you come into the party? Listen to what the older son says. He says, when that son of yours returned, you slaughtered the fatted calf, you did this and you did that, and so on. What does it mean when he says, when that son of yours? What does it mean when a dad says to his children, your mother? It means he's not referring to her as my wife. What does it mean when he says, that son of yours? means that he's made a separation between himself and his brother. He's not saying, my brother. He's not embracing his brother. He's pushing him away. And I fear that we all do this sometimes. I fear that I do this sometimes. There's somebody that I don't want to talk to. I don't talk to them. When there's somebody that I don't want to see, I avoid them. When there's somebody who's irritated me, posts annoying things, I block them on Facebook or whatever, I unfollow them. Or... But Jesus has something to say to us about that. He says to us that he who says to his brother, Raka, which means you fool, is that it, it is punishable by hellfire. Jesus took a phrase that was in the Old Testament, word for word, and replaced the word murder with the word saying to your brother, you fool. Jesus opened our eyes to see that anger and murder are actually two things on the same spectrum. And the moment that I no longer am able to refer to him as my brother, but I'm referring to him as your son. I'm referring to him as estranged from me. What have I done? I have put a barrier between myself and that other person. I have cut off that other person. This person is noise in my life. This person is toxic to my life. This person is 
and multiple other phrases that we use to describe that kind of situation. That is not what God is calling us to, my brothers and sisters. I am so sorry to tell you that is murder, punishable by hellfire. Those of you who know me well, some of you know me and some of you don't, I'm not a fire and brimstone kind of preacher person. That's not what I'm into. But I'm just telling you what Jesus says. I'm just telling you what Jesus is saying. When I cut somebody off, when I write somebody off, when I remove somebody from my life, that is not a behavior or an attitude or a mindset which is compatible with the kingdom. You see, we are all one body. We're all one. The union that exists between you and Christ and exists between Christ and his Father and exists between the persons of the Trinity and exists in marriage is the union that God is bringing us all to together in one, in him. People often ask a question, you know, will you continue to be married in heaven? Yes, but married to more than just my wife, married to all of you. We'll all be one body. But as we become one body, this guy wants to amputate a finger, and that one wants to amputate a toe, and that one wants to pluck that eye out, and that one wants to... What are we going to end up with? A mangled body. Because various different body parts wanna, wanna, want to remove, want to expel other body parts. It's incompatible. It's incompatible with the kingdom. We, we cannot think this way. Absolutely not. We cannot accept this. I cannot accept it within myself, nor can I accept it in the church, nor can I accept it in you, my beloved brothers and sisters, because I love you. You cannot say that son of yours. You, you can't. You can't. I can't accept it. But, but Father John, I mean, look, there's some people who really are toxic. There's some people who are bullies. There's some people who abuse us. So you're saying I should just subject myself to continued bullying and abuse and so on. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we should have clear and healthy boundaries. But, but... Oftentimes, we use boundaries as an excuse to quiet our conscience as we remove somebody from our life. That's not what boundaries are made for. Not Christian boundaries, not holy boundaries. We are called to love everyone unconditionally. Yes, we are, indeed. I believe I'm called to love every single one of you as much as I love my wife and my daughters, maybe in a different way, with a different character. There's things I would do with them that maybe I wouldn't do with all of you. Yes, but I'm called to love every single one of you as much as I love the people I love most in my life. I'm not called to have a hierarchy of love. But to do that, I need to have healthy boundaries. What does that mean? I need to create a framework within which it is safe for me 
to love unconditionally. I don't need to think about how much can I love this person because I've already thought about it and I've already put those boundaries in place. Some people, you'll notice, get on your nerves. And you'll say, God, forgive me, this person gets on my nerves. Abuna is telling me I have to love this person and be willing to be their friend regardless of the fact that they get on my nerves. I have no idea how to do that. Ask yourself, how long can you spend with this person before they get on your nerves? 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, you know, what, whatever it may be. And then make a clear boundary for yourself. Never meet that person unless you have something that you have to do 15 minutes afterwards. So you can spend 15 minutes with that person without, without worrying that you're gonna, they're going to get on your nerves because they get on your nerves at about 20 minutes. So at 15 minutes, I'm, it was great to see you. I've got to go. My mom, my mom used to always tell me, see people often enough that they remember how pleasant it was to be with you, but not often enough that they don't have a chance to miss you. Let people miss you. It's not a bad thing. When somebody says, I miss you, it's a good thing. In my mom's world, that's a compliment. I've kind of learned that. Clear boundaries allow us to be ourselves. Clear boundaries when dealing with people of the opposite gender, when, people, when dealing with people in, 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 in who are higher than us on the pecking order at work or wherever. Boundaries in dealing with children. In dealing... Ask yourself the question, before, before I get into the situation, Lord, I want to love this person unconditionally. How can I do that? I don't want to remove this person from my life. But if I spend too much time with this person, I get annoyed, I get irritated, I can't stand them. Because of some brokenness, some sin, some insecurity, some fallenness in and within me, Lord, what do you want me to do? God will show you. God will show you that there is a way to love them. There is a way to be honest and true to them that doesn't extend you beyond your, your ability. Because nothing good happens when we extend ourselves beyond our, our abilities. The message here is that there's three characters. If you are the younger son, return to your father his arms are open wide. He's sitting and waiting for you. If you are the older son, don't cut people off, but rather find a way to be able to love them. There's a third character here who is the father. God is also calling us to be the father, to be the person who opens our arms and embraces the world, again, within our boundaries, within what we are able to do opens our arms and receives our brother, our sister, opens our arms and receives those who are hurting, those who have, are fallen, and we lift them up, those who are proud, we tolerate their pride and their arrogance and slowly find a way to bring them to, bring them to a place of peace in and within themselves by loving them and accepting them and ourselves being the ones who go out to them like the Father. Glory be to God forever and ever. And I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray.